0: The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. Greetings, everyone out there in podcast land. You are listening to the Break the Business podcast. I know what you're thinking right now. Wait a minute. This sounds a lot different than the show normally starts. Well, you'd be right. It's your humble co-host Dave here. Ryan is out on vacation right now. He th- Usually it's the other way around. I'm the one that's out of town. He's doing the show without me. The roles are reversed. Crisscross. He's out. He's on a uh, much-needed uh, honeymoon with his uh, lovely wife. And uh, you got me today. This is this is a Dave episode. By the way, I already feel weird saying it's a Dave episode. Ryan calls me Dave. A lot of my friends call me Dave. I consider myself David. I've never been a, hey, I'm Dave guy. I don't know. Um, but so, I don't know. I'm here, okay? And I uh, hope, we, hope we're going to have some fun together, right? It's just you and me. Ryan's not here. He can't tell us what to do anymore, okay? We don't have to live under his tyranny, that being said, I'm going to follow the format of the show exactly as he usually wants it because, hey, I'm a buddy, and I'm here to respect his wishes and and do, do what needs to be done. So, you know, first things first, rate, review, subscribe. You're listening to the show right now. That's great. You can do this on iTunes, SoundCloud, all those wonderful things. We, we, we love your support. We appreciate it. You can email the show at BreakTheBusiness at gmail.com. Email us with any questions you want, music industry, uh, how to get help your career and everything like that, pulp culture, whatever it is you want, whatever whatever floats your boat, whatever pops in your head at any particular time. Just go ahead and, and email us. Shout it out right now. What, what, what do you want answered? Well, you got emailed to me because I can't hear you. It's a podcast. It doesn't work that way, folks. All right. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow me. I I'm I'm see, I'm get to now because I'm in charge right now. I get to give my Twitter first, all right? At Metal Dave85. I can actually not give Ryan's Twitter if I want. Again, this is it's it's us right now, okay? He's not here. All right, we can just guys, what if we just do this from now on? Okay? What if it's just us and we become super best friends? I've been best friends with Ryan for twenty years. All right, I need something new in life. Okay, I need something better. I'm looking for you know a a, a, a more well, what's the, I'm, I'm just looking for like a younger, more uh, innovative crowd, more innovative friend. I think maybe that's what we can do. Ryan is, is me and him. It's stale. You know, twenty years. Where's the magic? It's gone. It's gone. Anyway, you can follow him on Twitter at Ryan K A I R. See, that's like I said, you know, he's taking a much needed uh, break and everything. He's on a his honeymoon. Okay, he says he's not on his honeymoon, but I told him, have, "Dude, have you taken a vacation since the wedding?" He said, "No." I'm like, well, then it's a honeymoon. I think, by definition, your first vacation with your new spouse after the wedding is the honeymoon. So. Be careful with what it is because if you need to just like spend the weekend going up to Rosemont, Illinois to look after your aunt's cats, you know, that's your honeymoon. If that's the first thing after your wedding, that's your honeymoon. I'm sorry, I'm sorry that it revolves around, but you know, going to Rosemont, Illinois to feed cats, but hey. That's, that can be fun too. I'm a cat person, so I like that. And Rosemont has a, a good comedy club, I know because Doug loves, Doug Benson has uh, usually does Douglas movies there uh, a few times a year. Good crowd. Also, uh, Daniel Van Kirk does uh, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, he um, he also shows up. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Uh, actually, also does Graham show up? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's that's my other podcast thing, life and everything. That's all. I'm probably I'm going to tell you so many things right now. We, I'm, I'm probably going to get personal and everything. Who knows? Anyway. See, already, this is such an interesting format. I'm just t- talking to myself. It's so weird. I'm talking to myself and recording. I don't know how he does it sometimes, Ryan. Anyway. So, this is the part of the show where we talk about what's going on in our lives. And I've got something i got to talk to you guys about. Red light cameras. All right? You know, they're there to... I guess you can say keep us safe because it discourages people running red lights. And, you know, if you run it, you get a ticket because that camera flashes you. Guess what, though? The camera is supposed to be an effective system of capturing the license plate. And it does. It takes a nice picture, a clear picture. So imagine my surprise earlier this week when in the mail... I get a lovely piece of mail from the City of Sunrise. City of Sunrise is an hour north of Miami. Miami's in Dade County. Sunrise is in Broward County. An hour north, right? Apparently, I get flagged for running a red light on a road an hour north of home. The only problem is when they send the citation with the pictures of from the camera, they do a wide shot that shows the car in the intersection. They do another... A closer in shot with a car, and then a license plate shot. License plate shot. So you see that. Hey, they've got you. One problem. It wasn't my license plate. It wasn't my car. It was a completely different color. My car's black. This car was white. It was a completely different make and model. The license plate had the same five digits and letters first, but my license plate ends in a nine. This jackass that ran the red light, his license plate ended in an eight, and it was crystal clear. But the City of Sunrise, in their infinite wisdom, sent me the traffic citation in my name with my car and license plate. Well, this is just great. Now i got to worry about this crap. Because, I, you know, the the options are they have pay it, which obviously I'm not. They can go screw themselves in the worst possible way. Um, Two, you... Fill out an affidavit that says you fall under certain statutory exemptions under Florida statutes, but the situation really kind of is a little bit gray in terms of what the statutory exemptions are here. You know, I, I wasn't. It, it, they have it for like, oh, an emergency vehicle was entering the intersection. You had to slow down. You had to move over. You had to stop. Something like that, or the the car was under the care and control of some other person, but you have to provide the information of that person, license, address, name, things like that. Well, technically. My car was under my control. That car that ran the red light was obviously under the control of someone else. I have no idea who, though. So I I can't really send the affidavit for that, I don't think. The other thing is then setting it for hearing. The problem is then it takes time away from my work, my job, having to drive up there, spend the time, and basically take a half day or who knows how long to deal with this absolute garbage, okay? Ay, 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 red light cameras. You... you, the thing worked. It was a crystal clear picture of the license plate and and they somehow decided to send it to me. You know, I guess in the grand scheme of things of things that have gone wrong in my life, this is not this doesn't crack the top uh, one hundred, you know, as it were. I've had plenty of other, I, I, i've I've had plenty of other things that kept me awake at night. this red light camera's on it, but it's just a, a major inconvenience and annoyance and uh absolute uh, malarkey. It's it's if I can borrow a phrase from Joe Biden it's malarkey. Um anyway, that's uh, that's there. But uh so, you know, I'm I'm a good co-host. I'm a dutiful co-host. I'm a good friend. So, you know, in the spirit of that, we will talk some music, legal news, which means I get to play my favorite sound in the whole wide world.
1: Why did you judge me? You killed a disappeared. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed
0: the law. Law. I think that's the best sound in the world. I think it's probably the best sound in the world, really. If you haven't seen Judge Dredd, see Judge Dread. It is so amazingly insane. It's it's it, You know, it's, it is in those pantheon of S- S- um, Sylvester Stallone movies: Judge Dredd, Demolition Man, over the top. You know, great stuff. Absolutely, a lot of fun stuff. So, our music, business, legal news of the day. Uh, Brandy. Brandy's in the news. Um, if for our our viewer, our li- viewers, listeners who are uh, me and Ryan's peer group. We, you know, you may remember Brandy uh, from the show Moesha. It's probably, you younger listeners are like, "What the hell is Moesha?" Well, Google it. It was a show. Was was it on Disney Channel or Nickelodeon or UPN? This is the point where I'm asking Ryan, but now I've got no one. No one's answering me anything, and I've got my phone in my hand, but I'm I'm not going to Google it because I got to look at this thing. You Google it. You can do some work too. You know, it's not just me. Anyway, Brandy is uh, filing a lawsuit against uh, Chameleon Entertainment, uh, seeking two hundred seventy thousand dollars in damages. Basically, saying, and it's funny. This is her words in, in the complaint. She described it as quote Kesha Redux end quote. Um, without the rape allegation, which, uh, I'm not sure if you're a lawyer, you want to get so cutesy wootsy with that and just sort of have a sense of humor with this. I, 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 don't know. I think steer clear of the Kesha, Dr. Luca situation, just let it be, let the brandy thing be what it is. All right. Anyway, it's a 24 page complaint. And, you know, she says that she's been ready to honor the terms of her contract to record, do everything that she needs as part of her record deal. Um, However, Chameleon, uh, the complaint alleges, basically, you know, was not. They were not prepared to honor their end. They were not doing what they needed to do. Um, she was ready to record. They didn't, she said. Uh, you know, basically, you know how we talk about how the whole problem with these record deals is like like a three record, a three record deal. You can record the one and be ready, willing, and able to record the other two. But the label has sort of the ability to decide, well, you know, maybe we'll shelve it. Or, well, it's not the right time. Whatever their BS reasons are, they control when those other records get made. And effectively, you're stuck. And you can't get out of it. You know, it's a three-record deal. Well, if the, but if they decide to not make them or just, you know, play hardball with you, you're stuck. We've been We've, we've been trying to pound this into your guys' heads for a long time, all right? These record deals, man, not good stuff. If you're just joining us, you should really check out the back episodes. A lot, of, a lot of good stuff. But you know, the main thrust of it, obviously, is don't sign these record deals. They're not fun. You're not in control of your career. That's what we want. We want you to be independent. We want you to break the business. Do you see what Ryan did there? I think you did. Good man. He's a good man. Anyway, also another interesting part of this lawsuit was the fact that Brandy is basically saying that uh, Chameleon Entertainment demanded that she relinquish rights to income from her concerts, acting roles, endorsements, and other income-generating ventures. Basically, what's known as a 360 deal. Okay, and Brandy has refused to do that. Now, um, Ryan talked about we we've talked about on the show 360 deals. That basically it is this: the record company wants you know this 360 degree sphere of influence on you that everything you do is basically a product of them getting you out there, them making your records, them putting your music out there. So if you get an acting role and, oh, my God, Brandy's in this movie or Brandy's uh, endorsing this product, well, it was because of your music that we put out, we produced, and we distributed. You're getting that. We should get a piece of the pie. Um, Actually, at uh, Ryan's uh, Books and Books event, uh, was it a few weeks ago now, buddy? Yeah, it was a few weeks ago. And we put it. We did put it up as an episode. Uh, a, a, a person in the audience asked him about three hundred and sixty deals, and um, basically, they're awful. It's the record company trying to get everything. Okay, everything that you do, anything that you can make money off of, the record company is saying that's mine. We get a piece of it because we are the one that's put out your music. They're basically taking they're taking credit for your success. That's bad. That's not good. And it takes money out of your pocket, and it takes, again, control. It's controlling you. That's not what we want. That's bad, bad stuff. So, you know, this was just filed. You know, this is going to be something to keep an eye out uh, you know, eye out for. Essentially, it's a lot like the Five Finger Death Punch uh, lawsuit that we just discussed like, a number of months ago. That the band, um, Five Finger Death Punch... They were wanting to record an album and actually sort of speed up the timeline of the record process because uh, one of their band members was pretty, you know, dealing with some drug addiction issues and, you know, some health, mental health issues. And they recognized that and said, hey, you know, we got to kind of record and get in the studio because we don't know what the situation is. And the record company basically said, oh, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. slow your roll there, guys. We decide when you're going to do that. We don't want to do that. You know, basically, because also that then is another record they burn on the deal. And if anything, I think, I'm not sure if that was going to be the last record on the deal or if there's going to be another one, but then, you know, the contract would basically be fulfilled and that was it. You know, they would, you know, lose the band. So (laughs) the band members want to rightly basically look after one of their own and create and do something for them and for the fans. And the record company is saying, no, this is not how we do things. This is not an hour timetable. All right you know you're going by our timetable what we say you know i doesn't matter what's going on with you guys you know tough shit we're, we're the boss here you signed the deal you know it's time and again we see these we see these things happen and um, you know it's uh, it's not good so again don't sign those deals be independent do it on your own and by the way, when we say do it on your own, remember, there's an asterisk in terms of get help, use the people around you. But signing deals, not exactly a great thing, you know? And again, I'm not going to be I'm not gonna be a schmuck here. And like, you know, well, Ryan's from the back, I'm not going to be like, hey, listen, guys, I'm actually secretly an A&R dude for Sony. So you should totally call me if you want. No, no, that's not the case here. So Randy, we're going to follow this thing closely and see what happens. But, you know... Same old, same old, basically. It's another big-name artist uh, falling into the traps and realizing, "Uh uh-oh, what have I done? This contract is a major, major hassle. Now, here's the thing. I've got another story I'm I'm thinking of talking to you guys about because here's the problem, right? Ryan and I make fun of him for this a lot. He's a big fan of lists. He likes listing things, doing stories with lists, the most egregious of which was the (sighs) email signature story from, what was that, 2015? Is someone answering me? Can, can Can I get a producer check over here? No producer? It's just me in the studio? I'm talking to myself? Is anyone on the zeros and ones right now? No one's on the zeros and ones. Okay, I'm on the zeros and ones. I'm controlling this apparently. Dave on the zeros and ones. Weather on the eights. Anyway... He likes lists, and believe it or not, I've actually found something that kind of is a list and kind of deals with stuff we've been talking about and actually deals with our guest coming up, uh, Daryl Newdorf. Did I actually... Oh, my God. Am I a horrible person? Oh, I think I did. I am a horrible person. I completely did not mention Daryl Newdorf is going to be on the show today. He's a wonderful guy. He's nice dude. Nice dude. He's from Canada, so obviously he's nice. Um, and, you know... He's been spent his life in the music career, artist, producer, mixer, engineer. He's done everything. He's worked with Nico Case. He's worked with Sarah McLaughlin. Um, and now he's gonna he's gonna talk to us about uh, the polar, right? Uh, the path of least resistance. And it's his idea for making a streaming a decentralized streaming service, right? Where it's not owned by anyone, it can't be owned by anyone, and it's just artists putting up their content to this cloud, into the stream, and it's subscription-based. So you pay whatever it is, the fee, and boom, you got access to all this content, and all the money goes directly to the artists. No middlemen, no corporations, no nothing. I'm a schmuck for not saying that earlier, aren't I? I think I am. I'm like, what, 15 minutes in, and I mention the guest? God. Real professional, David. Real professional. You think Chris Hardwick is going to call you after this? You got work to do, man. I mean, the, 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 the scouts are there. The podcast talent scouts are there. I see Earwolf over there. They got their binoculars. Nerdist over there. My God, are you kidding me? Panoply, hello. Jesus Christ. What are you doing, Dave? What are you doing, Dave? Come on. Get your head in the game here. Okay, buddy? Come on. You're you're better than this. You're better than this. All right. So where was I? Lists, all right? Um, You know, Billboard has this list of why streaming is good for creators and consumers. Um, you know, there's some stuff here about it's the future of music consumption. You know, all the subscribers I mean are a source of income from the artist. You get so much more content than you do from a streaming service like an HBO Go or a Netflix, where it's just sort of partial. You know, we get the whole idea of playlists and discovering different sorts of music. And, um, you know, I guess uh, here, see, this is funny here. Billboard has this thing. They are paying creators 70% of their total income. Well, that's interesting because our guest, uh, Daryl Newdorf, is going to talk to us a bit about uh, how these artists get paid and everything. And, you know, it's not the way necessarily you think it is, and sometimes it's not fair how the monies get distributed. But that was, you know, that's my list for you guys, okay? That's my attempt at a list. I'm not going to go in-depth here, okay? There's a lot of stuff we've already heard before. And if you, if you want to go, you can go to Billboard.com, and the article is by Jordan Bromley, all right? Um, but I'm, I'm I'm not, like Ryan, I'm not going to give you the list, those damn email signatures! I swear to God, I'm never gonna let him forget it. You know, we're gonna be 85 years old in a retirement home on the porch. You know, and I'm gonna talk to him about email signatures. It doesn't matter if I can't remember anything. I'm gonna remember the email signatures. I will. I will forget my my future wife, my children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, whatever it is. They will be out of my mind. You know, I, I, all the memories will decay, but the memories of Ryan doing the email signatures list segment like like months ago will forever stick with me because, oh my God, dude. Seriously, dude, there were email signatures. Anyway, I don't want to get off the rails on that. I think I already did. Probably right. Well, listen, I hope after this point you're still uh, listening because uh, right now we got to have a treat coming up for you. Uh, Daryl Newdorf, uh, again, talking about uh, thepolar.org. Uh, and you're going to be able to find him at uh, Um So after this break, we'll be right back uh, with Daryl Newdorf. I just, I think I said his name like three times in a row, like super, super fast. But again, hey, man, this is my first time doing this sort of thing on my own. So, you know, what, you're perfect? Stop being perfect, okay? There's no such thing as perfection, all right? So we'll be right back on the Break the Business Podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless Plug Time, my new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. We're back. Our guest today is a performer, composer, producer, engineer, and mixer. He's worked with Nico Case. He's been nominated for a Grammy and Juno Award. And today he's here to talk about his brand new and innovative streaming service, Polar, a subscription-based streaming music system that functions without a centralized company so that virtually 100% of the payments go to the owners of the uh, of the sound recordings and songs, basically all go into the artist. You can find out more about it at thepolar.org. That's P-O-L-R. All the way from the Great White North, Daryl Newdorf is on the show. Daryl, thank you very much for joining us today on the show. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. It's great stuff. And uh, by the way, what's, what's the temperature like up there right now?
2: It's actually, well, what I would consider hot, um, uh-huh. which is um, 27 degrees.
0: Oh, that's right, Celsius.
2: Celsius, yeah. I don't know how to translate that.
0: I, I don't either. I should, have, I should have had the converter ready to go before I asked you a question. I've been caught unprepared. I've been caught unprepared.
2: I think it's in the upper <laughs> 90s if I'm not.
0: Okay. Prepared. Oh, wow. So you know what? You got then basically same exact weather we got down here in Miami. Wow. which yeah not 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 fun times it's it's extraordinarily hot right now i i could use a uh, a canadian winter sometimes when i'm walking around downtown miami in shirts and slacks
2: um i don't think you really want to say that <laughs> up here in toronto we basically winter is 6 months okay and- when it's like steaming hot like this, uh, certainly I do not complain. I'm I'm very grateful for it. Right. I just wish it lasted longer.
0: Right. B- basically, you're saying, Dave, you ignorant fool. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. <not> really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Daryl, as I, you know, I've said, checking out your website and everything, you've had, you know. A very long career in the music industry looks like you've basically done everything so uh, how did you get your start in a business tell our listeners you know what what basically got you involved what 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 started you off on this path
2: yeah well i've always been into music um my parents bought me a drum kit when i was 10 and uh, because i was destroying the furniture so uh they did it as a kind of survival (laughs) tactic um but i think they regretted it quickly after that because i wouldn't stop playing so um and so uh I'm yeah, I'm really old. So uh, uh, in 1982, um, I graduated from high school and I, I joined a band. Um, uh, so basically, um, punk rock was a huge influence on me. Um, uh, I'll never forget the for the, day, the first day I heard the Sex Pistols. It, it, it really changed my life because prior to that, I was listening to bands like Boston and kansas
0: that uh, yeah yeah, that that's a difference going from boston kansas to the sex pistols to johnny rotten yeah yeah
2: exactly and like i enjoyed the rock but nothing really connected with my kind of rage and anger for like the world that i was witnessing and uh and it just kind of really dovetailed nicely with my realization that adults had no clue what was going on and so, you know, I was about fourteen when when I first heard the Sex Pistols, and I uh, immediately cut my hair, and to my mother's horror, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, the rest is history. So, I've always kind of believed in the kind of anti-establishment aspect of music, and um, it's lived with me pretty much through my whole uh, whole career and whole life. So, I love the DIY philosophy. I love what you guys are all about. Um, I I think that independent music is 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 on the rise and will continue to be on the rise and uh and it's exciting to have grown up with that in my 30 plus years in the industry.
0: Cool. Do you still uh follow uh punk uh, rock or any sort of any of that scene still?
2: Not really. In fact, uh I kind of I kind of got out of punk pretty rapidly. Um I kind of followed the trajectory of John Lydon. Um and he kind of, you know, he he kind of discarded punk pretty quickly and and got into uh, uh, more more out there kind of stuff. And and I kind of followed that. So I got into post punk pretty pretty rapidly. And um, yeah, but uh, but I've always admired the punk ethic. Um, I love I love artists like uh, back in my day the artists were Crass. Um, Crass was a band from England. I don't know if you would have heard of them. Yeah. Um, but they were they were an early punk band that were kind of like anarchist hippies, and they mm. they they lived in a commune and they kind of they they did their own uh, artwork and they they released all their albums li- literally by themselves. Oh and wow! They, they were s- super DIY, and uh, they did this amazing artwork, this collage art that was just like super super cool. And uh, I always really admired them. Uh, Ian McKay, Minor Threat. Uh, who ended up forming Fugazi from Washington D.C. That whole D.C. skate punk scene, straight edge scene. I was really into that aspect of it. So, just I was re- always really attracted to, to artists who kind of took the bull t- took the bull by the brains, took you know took control of their own careers and kind of like made things happen. And uh, and uh, yeah, so so I joined a band called Fifty Four Forty, and. Uh, um,
0: fifty wait, fifty four forty is in the border.
2: Yeah. I guess, okay. Yeah, it's interesting you knew that. So yeah, it's, it's a it's we were a Canadian. Uh, we we became pretty big in Canada. We were like fairly big fish in a small pond. Had a couple top ten hits mm-hmm. in Canada. Um, not while I was in the band, although I recorded those songs. But they ended up becoming hits after I left the band. Ah, okay. Um, and uh, I guess like the biggest claim to fame, fifty four forty had was um. We wrote a song called I Go Blind, which a decade later got covered by Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like a top three. It was the third most played song in the U.S. in 1997.
0: Okay, that's that's pretty cool. Or I guess, okay, well, I guess it depends. You you, you have your punk sensibilities. Is that cool or is that not cool that Hootie and the Blowfish, Hootie and the Blowfish covered your song?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I never liked their music per se, <laughs> um, and and I always felt I always felt ridiculous playing that song. Right, when I played it live because I don't know if you know the song, uh, uh, but the basic the basic part goes like dun t- dun dun t- dun dun t- dun t- dun t- uh-huh. over and over again. Uh huh. And it always reminded me of that song Summer Lovin' from the Grease soundtrack. It's
0: you, okay. As as you were doing it, that's what it was reminding me of. Yeah, yeah it was reminding it, me of Summer Lovin'.
2: Yeah, so I always felt like a fool playing that song. <laughs> Whenever I'd see it come up on our set list, I'd be like, oh, God, we got to play I Go Blind again.
0: Oh, God, yeah. Well, but, he, you know, I'm
2: kind of glad that. Uh, Somehow it became a huge hit, and because uh, I'm still getting royalty checks from that.
0: I was gonna say that's probably the best part about it. So, yeah, hooting the Blowfish. Thanks very much. Um, exactly. Yeah. Actually, well, down here in Miami, I think the the, the main song people down here know is "I Only Want to Be with You" because they have he has the line in there about the Miami Dolphins, and Dan Marino was in the music video. So. That's pretty. Uh, that's why uh, most of us uh, South Floridians know that song. Otherwise, the, the rest of the catalog, I I don't know. <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah. So then you went from uh, actually recording and you know creating to then going sort of behind the glass and doing uh, producing and uh, mixing. And how how did that uh, transition happen?
2: Yeah. Well, I got kind of tired of touring and uh, and some politics, internal politics with the band. So when I, when I left the band, I was just kind of pretty much disgruntled and kind of jaded with the idea of being in a band. Right. So, and also too, I just fell in love with the studio. It was just the most exciting thing. The most exciting part of what we did for me was, was the recording part. And so I hung out with the engineer there. Whose, uh, his name was Dave Rave Ogilvie. He went on to uh, record Skinny Puppy and Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson. And Oh, cool. And, uh, and so I kind of, he was kind of a mentor to me at the beginning. So I kind of, I, Asked him, peppered him with questions and started learning about gear and just fell in love with all that. And so so my first project uh, after quitting the band um, was this uh, young, unknown artist uh, signed to Network Records in Vancouver called Sarah McLaughlin.
0: I think I've heard of her. I've seen her commercials <laughs> for dogs. <laughs>
2: awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I recorded uh, her first album and, uh, and wow. put it on her second album. And, uh, and then just kind of kept doing it and, uh, you know, struggling with day jobs in the meantime and just kind of, you know, working at it and eventually worked up my own gears. So I have my own studio and, and, uh, and yeah, I just kept doing it. And then I met Nico in the nineties and uh, have been working with her right from the beginning on all her albums and probably my most uh, exciting moment, I could say like possibly one of my most exciting moments in, in my music career was um when her album middle Cyclone came out, it was mm-hmm. her second last album. and um, uh, I knew I knew it was gonna probably debut somewhere on billboard because her previous album had. So I'm like thinking to myself, okay, well, this is gonna be interesting. We'll see how how high this one gets on on billboard. I think her last one got up to like forty eight or something I can't remember. Um, so I was at a friend's place and he had a uh, he had a blackberry. Right. <laughs> and, and, uh, this is, I'm dating myself. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so he, uh, so I, 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 you know, asked him to call up billboard site and, and uh, and so he, you know, he gets it on his blackberry, which only shows like five items, you know, per page. So right. I'm like, you're going to have to scroll way down, you know, mm-hmm. just keep scrolling. But he calls it up and there it was at number three.
0: Wow. And- so
2: it was like you two because they had just released an album that year, so they uh. were number one. Number two was Taylor Swift. Number three was Nico. Mm-hmm. Num- number four was Lady Gaga. And number five was Nickelback.
0: Damn. That's and- that's good company, except for the Nickelback part, but the rest of that is really good company.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, the thing that's just so exciting to me is that we did it all independently. She stayed indie throughout that whole time. She still... An independent artist, she's in charge of her own career. She did it without a hit on the radio, without any of that kind of mainstream major label push, and that's what made me super excited.
0: Sweet, yeah. and that's and that's exactly what we're trying to get here. Hopefully, creating the next generation of Nico Cases out there. Obviously, it's it, it's proven it could happen you know
2: it could happen but we have to we have to change the streaming music industry right and, and that's why i'm here
0: i mean talk about a master of segues here folks that that was that was a great transition <laughs> you, so yeah basically you have a you're creating right now you're in the middle of it uh polar p o l r path of least resistance and it is a music subscription streaming service with no centralized owner or system just as you call it A to A artist to appreciator and I'll stop talking and actually let you explain your baby to the listeners
2: okay yeah well Well. basically decentralization I think is um, is uh, at the risk of over overstating it um, possibly the most profound process that will happen in this century okay um, and we're witnessing it just kind of in many ways at its birth but when you look back at humanity, we've been moving towards decentralization as we progress as a species. And, um, and so it's kind of a natural process from, from my, in, in my opinion. Um, uh, So when, when, when the net first happened, um, I was super excited by it. I I remember um, it was about 1989 and I had an Atari computer with a modem. And uh, it was like a, I think it was a, 2400 bowed modem, and you had to put your phone on it, you know. Uh You you know, I don't know if so. You had to put your phone on it, and then you and then it makes these kind of silly sounds and these kind of chirpy sounds, and then this kind of sustained, kind of oh, yeah,
0: yeah, dial up, yeah, and and,
2: yeah, and then all of a sudden you're in the internet. And this was like you know, way before the world wide web, Mm -hmm. it's like three or well, four or five years before the web. So there was all these, all it was, was was text and BBS's bulletin boards, and you could. You can subscribe to a bulletin board and then talk to somebody. And I'll never forget the first time when I was I, I was typing with somebody in Germany, and it was just it blew my mind. Like it was just like this is the future. And so you know I've been have been involved and interested in the internet, you know, right, right from its earliest incarnations. And and uh, and I've always been a lover and follower of um, of the uh, what I what I call the greatest job creator um, alive today. Which uh, isn't Donald Trump? (laughs) Um, uh, um, See, see if you can guess who I'm talking about.
0: Greatest job creator today? Hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I can get uh, Schmaltzy and go the human spirit.
2: Oh, I love that. Um, and I think that he would echo that. So the greatest job creator that is living today and may have been the greatest job creator ever in all of humanity, we'll mm-hmm. have to see how it all transpires, was the inventor of the World Wide Web. Oh, ah, okay. So, so Tim Berners-Lee created uh, the uh, HTTP, mm-hmm. Hypertext Transfer Protocol, and, um, and, uh, and created the web. And, uh, and the thing that's so incredible about, about his foresight is that he made sure, right from the beginning, he has a wonderful book called Weaving the Web. I highly recommend you and your listeners to, to check it out because uh, it really tells a, his story in an exciting way. And, and the audio book's great, too, because he narrates it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so, so he really wanted to make sure that this thing was free and open. And he worked very hard to maintain its free and open status. A lot of people don't realize how much work went into maintaining the web the way it is. I mean, there was a very good, good possibility that the web would have turned into like three or four corporate silos. Right. Where you would have exclusive data in one aspect and you wouldn't have the other. It wouldn't wouldn't have been a worldwide web um and uh and it's profound um what what he managed to accomplish with that and so i i always take that same spirit in mind when i'm thinking about the polar um you know if we can keep this thing free and open and unowned and unownable Mm -hmm. um we could really change the world and uh it sounds like a crazy pipe dream but um Right now, Spotify and all of the other commercial streaming services have yet to show that they can generate a profit. So, if I'm a pipe dream, they are certainly one too. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: All right. So, how, what was it? What is Polar gonna look like? How is? How do you envision the final product gonna be? How it's gonna work?
2: I think, like, to a layperson, and I always think on these terms because I, 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 being a being a music producer and being, you know, involved in. Kind of trying to, to make music that relates to as many people as possible. I always try to think about the lowest common denominator and and you know the real just the the average person, right? And mm-hmm. and so I think to the mainstream average person, the polar might not look that much different than the current streaming services and uh, maybe combined with a, a social network like like Facebook. Um, but yet there's so much to it and so much more about it. Um, behind the scenes Um, but basically I am a a believer in the subscription model I prefer to use the term membership Mm -hmm. but um, but I believe that the subscription model is 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 a is a trajectory that's kind of unstoppable now Um, you know I think Netflix did a lot to help that but even like a lot of software that we buy nowadays like the, the the main software that people use in the recording studio is Pro Tools made by a company called Avid and uh, they've gone to a subscription model just this year. You can buy a monthly subscription, and uh, I think it's like twenty-five bucks or something like that. And you can use the same tool that all the professionals use. Um, same with Adobe; they've gone to a subscription model. So um, I think subscription is here to stay, and I and I and I'm a strong believer in it. Um, I just think that they've priced it too high. Okay. okay. Uh, and that's based on a lot of a lot of expert data out there the price is roughly two times more than what what it would be to to achieve critical mass which is one of the problems spotify's having right now
0: okay, okay. so sure. so basically the subscriber pays mm-hmm. their monthly fee and mm-hmm. what you said is going to be different about this is they have access to every single piece of content that is on the polar that is basically in the cloud in the system they pay their their subscription fee they have access access to everything
2: yeah, so, so like that, it'll be very similar to Spotify, okay. you know, um, and it'll be um, like uh, one of my, my heroes, um, this guy named Jim Griffin, he started this message board called The faux List, a music industry message board list, and one of his mantras is that uh, the solution has to feel free, and mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things I love about the subscription model, like I, subs- you know, like everybody, they subscribe to Netflix well, I know you share your account with your friend there, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, most, yeah. <laughs> most people I do. subscribe to. No, I shouldn't say this. Uh, maybe us fools subscribe to Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> they are nine bucks a month or whatever it is. Um, I don't even think about it. It's on my credit card. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it feels free to me. You know, I go to Netflix and it's it's. I use it mostly for my daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's seven, and there's just so much programming for kids, and so you know. Uh, and to me, the subscription model cracks that, that problem. It, 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 it feels free. It, it kind of neutralizes the, the whole downloading, you know, controversy or problem. Cause you know, who, who wants to download when you can just get it right away. Right. Just, you know. So, uh, so anyways, there's um, many ways though that the polar is radically different from, from anything else that, 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 uh, that I think is out there, uh, proposed, um, And, uh, and so, so, so one aspect is, um, if you were to start a streaming service right now, Mm -hmm. there's basically two ways to do it. You would either try to get a license from all the major labels and, you know, before you even start, you have to, you know, sign up all these, these deals. And, you know, usually that involves selling your soul and kind of (laughs) giving giving away part of your company and allowing the, the, the company to skim off the top before it pays royalties, Mm -hmm. you know, the story, um, um, so, you know, and that, that's basically how Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, Amazon Prime, uh, Deezer, you know, they, they all use that methodology. Right. Um, so the other way to start a streaming service is to rely on the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, safe harbor provisions, and allow anyone to upload anyone else's shit. And that's how YouTube and Groove Shark, which I guess is gone now, um, and SoundCloud work. Right. Um, so I propose a third way to do it where you build the licensing into the entry point so that the owner of the content can upload their own stuff and only the owner of the content can upload their own stuff. Um, so there's similar models like this, CD Baby works like that, Bandcamp works like that, um, Apple Music Connect um employs that, um, which I think is a real sleeper. I think uh, everyone laughs at Apple Music Connect, you know, and they think it's just this grand failure. Uh, I think give it some time. Oh, OK. I think I think Apple Music Connect has a potential to really grow. And it's actually the closest thing that I've seen out there that kind of starts to resemble my my vision for what the what the polar could be for the average user, at least.
0: Right. But obviously polar is better. Well, we got to we make sure we sell this, Dale. We got to sell this, Daryl. <laughs> well, I think
2: polar is better, just because it's again back to the kind of Tim Berners-Lee uh, dream. Um, it's the only one that I that's out there that proposes to be unowned and unownable. Right. And so, right. so therefore, in my in my fantasy, it's the only one that will properly eventually scale. Um, if you looked at at Tim Berners-Lee' original story, um, uh, when he first when he first started, kind of the web first started to grow and it grew very naturally. You know, he was working at CERN um, out in Switzerland and his main objective was to make sure that scientists could share their files together. So, you know, it started off as a project for that. And then a guy in Australia started using it and someone else in another university uh, uh, in the US and in Massachusetts started using it. And, and, and it just started to kind of just grow naturally. And as it was growing, there was a competing service called gopher
1: mm-hmm.
2: and i think it was from mit if i'm not mistaken and so so gopher uh was growing really really quickly um it was it was growing faster than than the web i remember this i'm that old <laughs> um and uh, and so uh so you know gopher is coming along and a lot of people are loving to use it and preferring it. it's becoming a kind of the trendy one you know and and the, the web was kind of becoming like MySpace, and gopher was more like facebook and People were, you know, adopting it more, and then on uh, some of the some of the people that were started started Gopher kind of put out a message saying, "Yeah, you know, maybe at one point down the road, uh, maybe just for companies, we're just going to start using uh, starting a, uh, a, a transaction fee." Um, and as soon as they did that, they died almost instantly. Um, oh, wow. And that's and that's because um, uh, the, impl- the the people who are employing Gopher the, the big companies like Microsoft for example they were starting to use Gopher as soon as they heard that gopher is going to start charging a fee their legal department was just like we have to shut this down we can't we have to go to the web and so um, the the analogy might not be exactly perfect for how I can envision the polar working but I like to keep that spirit alive and I like, I like to think that that if we can create a an open source, unowned, decentralized music streaming system that distributes monies uh, in the in the most efficient way possible to the artist. Um, it it might take us a lot longer, but it might be a slow growth. But I I have a feeling we could eventually uh, eclipse them all.
0: Right, and actually that's a good segue to so my next question, um, sort of the, the mechanics of it. So obviously you said it's 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 unowned. And, you know, the artists put the content into the system for the uh, for the consumer. And the consumer obviously has the subscription fee. So how do you envision the artists actually getting paid and getting monies from that? I know on the on your website, uh, thepolar.org, again, that's the thepolar.org, you have on the FAQs even said, like, this is kind of going to be like the sticking point. This is the part we have to really work things out in terms of how do we do it. How do you envision the artist getting uh, the monies, how it's distributed, and how it goes along the chain?
2: Okay, awesome. Thank you for that question. Um, so there's a, there's a real uh, uh, major problem. There's so many problems with the commercial streaming services. Um, but one of the real big problems is something that's overlooked by, I think, a lot of people, and that is that their method of distribution of the royalties to the artist is based around what's called a pro rata method, mm-hmm. and basically the idea is that um, during a month they get a big bunch of money from subscriptions, and during a month a bunch of people listen to Justin Bieber and mm-hmm. some other music, and and so um, so they take this giant pool of money and they um, through their analytics uh, allo- allocate the um money based on um who listened to what music the most right so that process seems rational but when you actually break it down and think about it everybody's listening habits all in one giant pool and then that pool gets gets the monies get distributed out that way the um the the money basically skews to the top so the biggest artists make the most money, and the the, the lesser listened to artists make the least. Right. And the ones that I think suffer the most are the the ones in the middle. Um, so there's a couple people that uh, kind of discovered this, and so they they uh, there's this guy named Dick Huey, mm-hmm. and uh, he's now the head of the Future Music Coalition, by the way. Um, he has this um, different mes- method of distribution that he calls per user. Um, And there's also a more vocal advocate named Sharky Liguana. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came up with uh, a subscriber share as the way to describe it. So with with, uh, subscriber share or um, um, per user. Mm -hmm. So basically with subscriber share, let's just imagine that you're a fan of a more obscure band. And let's say that you're like 18. And I know myself, when I was 18, I listened to like two bands. And they were the only ones in the world that mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if everybody's like that, but I think there's a lot of eighteen-year-olds that are like that. You know, you discover an artist and you're just like obsessed with them, and you just listen to them all the time. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, I discovered Metallica at ten, and I'm obsessed with them still. So <laughs> okay.
2: let's use that as an example. Okay. I think Metallica is actually a funny one because of their dispute against Napster. So let's go with Metallica.
1: <laughs> all so, right.
2: so so let's say, okay, Metallica, you're a Metallica fan and you, all you listened to was the black album and you just listened to that over and over and over again all month on Spotify. You listen to nothing else,
1: just okay. Metallica.
2: So you would think in a in a fair world that the nine ninety nine that you spent that month should mm-hmm. go to Metallica. Right. Um, so right now, that money gets thrown into a giant pool, and then it goes mostly to Justin Bieber, and Drake. <laughs> and so so as a Metallica fan, so, certainly if you're a kid, and if you knew that, I'd be pretty pissed off. I'd be like, you know, this, is, this isn't cool. You know, all my money goes to the music that I hate. And it doesn't go to the music that I love. And it should. Right. So... That is huge, because because there's no other service out there that is employing this yet. If somebody, if, if some streaming service comes out tomorrow and apply subscriber share to their, to their methodology and get some fairly large indie artists to sign up. Now, there's some huge indie artists out there like Taylor Swift and Adele. A lot of people don't realize these people are indie artists.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but let's just say some, you know, Important indie artists like maybe like The National or or Nico or The New Pornographers, you know, other friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let's say that these artists um, put their music out exclusively on a streaming service that uses subscriber share as, it, as its methodology. Those people are probably going to make in the thousands of dollars in one month.
0: Okay. That's, I guess I that's mean, all right.
2: I mean, I, I, I know there's people that dispute that that math, and I, I've I've read some studies that that, that dispute it. But uh, uh, I think I can't see that I can't see that that uh, not working for bands that are kind of the middle class of of indie artists that are out there right now. I think those are the artists that would benefit the most and uh, from a subscriber share and who suffer the most from pro rata right now. So that alone is a reason to create a new streaming service, right? Um, but, you know, there's a huge list of other reasons why uh, we need an alternative streaming service. And, and what's exciting is that there's a huge voice. Um, just in the last year, there's been a call out from all all sorts of voices from all over the industry pleading for a solution to this problem. Um, Martin Mills of Beggar's Group, um, you know, who has a Dell in, uh, in his roster. Um, Benji Rogers of Pledge Music, who's trying to provide another um, solution that he calls uh, dot b dot c no, dot, yeah, dot BC, dot blockchain. So he has his thing. Um, Sammy Andrews from Cooking Vinyl has come out very vocal against the skewed playlists that are going on with the streaming services. Mm-hmm. Um, Berkeley School of Music, their three, Rethink Music, uh, Fair Music Report. And the Open Music
0: Initiative. Yeah, actually, and we, uh, listeners, we, we interviewed George Howard uh, of Berklee College of Music uh, before on the Open Music Initiative uh, a few episodes ago. So quick plug, go back there, folks, please. Um, and yeah, he told us a bit about that in terms of the database and collecting everything. So, OK, that, that, I'm, I'm glad that uh, this is all sort of happening in the same universe.
2: Yeah, it's it's really exciting because all we need to do is start to look at each other and start to work together. And uh, and I think we can start to build something. So in the process, of course, um, uh, uh, perhaps a lot of users might know about mycelia. Maybe, maybe not.
0: Uh, I haven't heard of it. So if you want to explain it to, to me, at least, that, that'd be great. <laughs>
2: okay. okay. Yeah. Well, um, you know the artist Image and Heap?
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay,
2: so, um, you know, she's she's pretty big. She wrote a song on Taylor mm-hmm. Swift's last record, so I guess her royalties will start coming in next year. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's working on a soundtrack for uh, the Harry Potter play right now in, in Britain. Damn, okay. Uh, so, you know, pretty well-known artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has this vision. She was talking with her friend Zoe Keating, um, another kind of well-known uh, DIY indie artist. Um, and, uh, and, uh, she discovered the, the, the blockchain and what, what that was all about. And, and so she kind of came up with her own idea called mycelia based around the, the way a mushroom works. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, and so she has this kind of really grand vision. It's beautiful. It's, uh, it is beautiful. It's like her, her story and how, and how she explains it is even beautiful. Um, and so I immediately was, uh, super excited when I, when I, when I heard about it. So, so I, I contacted her and. She emailed me back, and we've emailed back and forth a bit about this. And so through that, I've met uh, uh, Peter Harris from uh, Resonate, um, who has another really interesting concept out in Germany. Um, there's a lot of us thinking about the same kinds of things. We have a little bit of a different way of looking at it, but right. but uh, to, to my knowledge, no one is really kind of proposing an actual alternative streaming service, which to me is, is really what we need. Right. Um, um, because we're not going to fix the problem by creating a registry and then and then expecting that Spotify is going to use it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it it's just too entrenched with the major labels. Right. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. We need to actually make an alternative, and really there should be. Um, there's this wonderful quote from this guy, Joan Steinhardt, of uh, Don Giovanni Records, mm-hmm. and his quote is, we need a future where alternative voices are not forced to exist within the corporate controlled streaming music infrastructure but can stand as a true alternative to them and if that's not a mantra for me i mean that is fantastic I, and I yeah totally i agree. agree yeah so, uh, well, actually, so you- let me actually
0: so let me ask you a question though because then that's actually interesting um, in order to get this online and um, we'll I'll, I'll, we'll talk about sort of how how far you are from this and what your timeline is but is this something you envision where you see it first just for indie artists and for the independent content creators the do the DIY musicians or is is there a part of you realizing it's good but if I, but if I can get Taylor Swift if I can get you know a Justin Bieber on there to actually be a part of Polar is that something you want? Is it something that you need in order to scale to actually then get people get people to use this and be like, wait a minute, what's going on over here?
2: Oh, I love that question. Okay, so yes to both. So, um, so basically, uh, my background um, is uh, witnessing um, underground alternative artists become mainstream, okay. and I've have seen that cycle happen several times in in my in my life. Um, the first one was punk rock. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the sex pistols went to like number two on, on the charts by making music. That was completely radical, completely out there. It was literally unplayable on the radio. Mm -hmm. Um, the next one that, that was, was huge was, was Nirvana. And uh, I was living in Vancouver when Nirvana first, first exploded. And, um, and so a lot of us in Vancouver had already was, was already well-schooled in Nirvana before they, Went kaboom.
0: Well, yeah, you you were right there, basically right across from Seattle. Yeah, so you were right in the middle of the scene.
2: Yeah, so like the first bands were like Soundgarden and Tad, and then Mudhoney and Nirvana were kind of in that in that mix. And I remember seeing a, a show. It was it was Mudhoney and Nirvana. It was kind of more of a double bill. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, that was like two or three months. That was in the fall. I can't remember what year, but it was the it was it was basically two or three months before they went kaboom mm-hmm. and uh and of course this was before um you know the internet had really taken off yeah and um and so uh so the popularity of of, of nirvana grew in the locker rooms of schools it just grew like like it just spread like a meme mm-hmm. <laughs> um
1: from,
2: from high school to high school and it happened so quickly that the major labels were completely taken off guard so let's imagine flash forward to now. Mm-hmm. Let's imagine that that this cultural cycle that seems to occur over and over again, and we're ripe for another one. Um, I think that the the unrest and anger in American society is is uh, is making it ripe to happen. Um, let's just imagine that there's an artist now mm-hmm. that. Is like the next Nirvana, and the word spreads like wildfire faster than it even spread with Nirvana, because we have Twitter now. And let's say that um, that there's, an, there's a there's a there's a streaming service like the Polar, and let's say that this Nirvana decides to put their music on this streaming service. That will be it. That will be it, because the major labels will have to follow, because no. everyone will see how much money Nirvana was making from it. Okay. And all the other artists are going to jump on board. So all you really need is one or two, big, bigger artists to kind of pull everything over. And uh, and I think I think I It's so it's so funny. You know, we should have known by now, in in our in our last you know ten years of of the internet that companies come and go really fast. Yeah, I don't see Spotify surviving. I just don't. It's, it's just there's too many problems with it.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's it's well documented, and you know, yeah, it's in the news a lot lately. And I think, yeah, consumers are definitely upset, artists are upset. So, and it's nice that you're you are providing uh, an alternative. Um, what is your uh, timetable for this? How far along is Polar? When do you think you're going to have it up and running?
2: Well, I'm just going to be brutally honest. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's just an initiative. Okay. It's just it's just me spewing about it. Okay. Um, I don't have an I don't have a developer. I don't have any money behind it. Um, it's just me talking about it. Okay. Uh, so that's that's basically it. Well, hey,
0: but, but yeah, first steps, man, right? Yeah, that's everything begins with the first step. So that's cool. So hopefully, you know, our listeners will get educated on it, and um, you know, hopefully, you will get developer students some backing for it, and uh, that's cool. Um, so l- actually, in, 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 let me ask you a question because obviously, you, you your indie cred is seems very solidified. I was on your website, and I noticed you had a link to, uh, we were talking about Nico Case before, and uh, a Billboard article basically going in-depth and celebrating uh, the 10-year anniversary uh, a few months ago of uh, her album Fox Confessor. Uh, Fox Confessor? There we go. Easy for me to say. And uh, it it mentions you, you know, that you produced it. However, it misspells your name and calls you Daryl Newforth. Oh, no way, really? Oh, yeah, so, okay, so you Uh, didn't know that I wasn't sure if this entire initiative is basically a big middle finger to Billboard and the music industry because they misspelled your name. (laughs) So, how dare you guys, I am Daryl Newdorf, you will respect my authority, and I will show it to you by destroying your entire apparatus with with a a new streaming service.
2: I wish I was that vengeful, I probably would have gotten further in life.
0: Oh, Okay. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's cool. Hey, you know, Canadians are laid back. That that that's totally cool. You know?
2: I'm I'm a lover, not a fighter.
0: Exactly. Um and uh well, actually you know, and uh we've we've learned a lot right here, and I kind of want to close uh, with some fun and have some fun with you. Um we mentioned you're from Canada and uh listeners and fans of the show will know that we sometimes have a segment later on in the third segment of the show called Canada Town or Hoser Talk with our friend Canada Dave. Um Kenneth Dave is not here right now just because I, I feel like I shouldn't do it in front of you because that's just, you know, that that's that's horrible taste. Um it's borderline racist, really. Putting on a Canadian accent for a Canadian. Um <laughs> <laughs> but basically, you know, the whole thing is do, do Americans, do people, and basically does my co host know Canadian towns from hoser talk, from just made up stuff? Because sometimes Canadian towns have funny names. So you've been kind enough to agree to play a few rounds of Canadian town or hoser talk. And by the way, we've got a fan, uh, one of Ryan's nieces. uh, She's eight years old. Her name is Abigail. She's a huge fan of the show. So she's going to be really excited that she's getting some more Canadian town or hoser talk. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, all right, let me go ahead and start you off here. Daryl, Telegraph Cove, is that a Canadian town or is that hoser talk?
2: I call that hoser talk.
0: Wow. No, that's incorrect. That's in British Columbia. What's it called? Telegraph Cove.
2: Nope, never heard of it.
0: Wow, okay. Oh what okay, Ryan, if you're listening to this, apparently, you know, it's not just you. Damn. Okay, how about all right, we next one. Lake Beach.
2: I'm gonna say that probably is a place. Although I haven't heard of it either.
0: Daryl, that's hoser talk. You're 0 for two, buddy. Oh, Oh my God! What's this right? is unra- This is unraveling. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, uh, Bacon Cove.
2: Bacon Cove.
0: Bacon Cove.
2: Oh uh, no, that would be back Bacon Cove. So no, that that's definitely not a Canadian town.
0: I see what you did there, and I like it—the back bacon. But unfortunately, Bacon Cove is in Newfoundland. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: uh, okay. <damn. laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I got some more for you, but I feel like I'm, 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 you know, I'm starting to, to, to put you in the ground here. If you want, I can stop. If, if you want to have mercy, if you want. um, get one at least. Okay. Uh, let's see. All right. Vengeance Falls.
2: Damn, you're picking some real tiny, tiny little villages. I think.
0: Oh, yeah. It's got it can't be, you know, you can't you just can't do, you know, Saskatoon. Yeah, exactly. That, that's that's too obvious.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm going to say it's Canadian.
0: That's the name of a Trivium album. So it's hoser talk.
2: Oh, ho, ho, ho. damn.
0: Daryl, uh-huh. I am so sorry, buddy. This is uh-huh. I, I I. feel bad. This is when it's Ryan. I take glee and pleasure. Um, All right. How about OK? How about uh, Nottawa?
2: Yeah, that's
0: talking What? No, that's in Ontario.
2: Oh my God!
0: That's that's in your that's in the province you're in, Ottawa. In Ottawa? Yeah, it's Ottawa with an N in front of it, not that's Ottawa. Hilarious. And I think it, uh, online it says like one of their claims to fame is they're not Ottawa, but every single city in the world can like claim to the fact that they're not Ottawa.
2: <laughs> Holy, I'm moving there.
0: Okay. Um. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I gotta get you something to, to,
2: to. Can I get a consolation prize at least? You know, like a a stuffy of Ryan or something like that.
0: A stuffy of Ryan is that like a is it like a stuffed animal?
2: Yeah, like a little kind of effigy of Ryan.
0: Oh, well, I'd have to create that. that that's interesting. I've never thought. I haven't, we've never discussed that on this show. Merchandise. <laughs> you should yeah well i mean you you said you actually did buy his book break the business you downloaded it as an ebook so i'm sure that that's good he'll he'll appreciate that um yeah i did okay all right how how about this pickle lake what lake pickle lake pickle lake yes
2: pickle lake it almost sounds familiar pickle lake i think i think that's canadian
0: yes yes you're right it's in ontario Oh
2: yeah. Okay. Good. Someone good. Was just talking about Pickle Lake the other day.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. I think we'll I'll, we'll stop there. No one to end on a high note. <laughs> okay. So okay. Wow. I thought. Okay. Man. Oof. Okay. So that's the experiment. So apparently, you know. Yeah. These Canadian towns are hoser talk. It is hard. I have created uh, an unknowable game. I'm, I'm I'm God. Okay. I didn't realize that. That's great. Um,
2: <laughs> or else I don't get out much. Could be that too.
0: Well, you do sound like you're busy with a lot of stuff. So, and and it's and I, probably if you're going to choose between that and knowing my paltry game, I you know I'd say yeah, you're 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 on the right track. Nice. Um. So, just uh, in closing here, and Daryl, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you, and thank you so much for your time. Uh. In closing, what sort of high level um thing do you want to say about Polar? And just also, I guess you know um what. Uh, what advice do you have for the indie artists out there? You know, what should they be doing? What, what, what have you seen in your career that you think, if you had to give like one tip, one piece of advice for the indie, indie artists listening, you know, for their career, you know, what would you have to say to them?
2: Okay, well, there's something else about the polar that I didn't really get to that I'd love to be able to kind of touch on at least. Oh, sure. Um, and that is the whole kind of social network aspect of it. This is where it's kind of really radically different from from, from anything else. And uh, and so I have this whole kind of this whole kind of term, I guess I'm calling A to A, and it's kind of uh, a lot of people call a lot of people are talking about direct to fan mm-hmm. as a concept, right? Well, this is this is kind of like direct to fan, but I don't like that term because it's a one-way term. It's you know it's, it's projecting to the fan. Um, so A to A is a two-way uh, uh, a two-way street. So artist to appreciator. And so the whole idea is that um, once a user signs up to the Polar, be them an artist or an appreciator, they both have kind of equal status in, as citizens in this in this society, mm-hmm. and and they both start their own they can both start their own page and their own kind of microsite within the system. You know, much like how MySpace used to be, perhaps. And and so you could um, so basically uh, what this is, and once the blockchain. Solutions start to happen. And I believe that's an if and not a when. Mm-hmm. And we can talk a lot about that part, but uh we didn't. But but uh but once they do, um and you have a you have a a cryptocurrency that can do micropayments autonomously within a system like this, you can have an entire new marketplace where basically artists and appreciators start to exchange back and forth. So it's not just about the fan. Buying or listening to music from an artist and kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, purchasing an artist's stuff, it can go the other way around. An appreciator could like start a a micro touring company where it's it's basically they book like home tours and and they can set all this stuff up on the polar. So it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the streaming service aspect of it is just kind of the tip of the iceberg what really I, I envision happening is uh, an entire marketplace of musicians and music lovers where they can, they can uh, exchange things back and forth with each other. Um, so that's kind of something I just wanted to kind of, you know, make sure I, mm-hmm. I, I discussed. And I'd like, yeah. just like to mention that um, there's an open source blockchain-based um, alternative to Facebook, you could call it, um, called Scenario, and uh, um, I've become actively involved in that community, and I believe that Scenario will be the engine that, um, that runs the social network aspect of, of the polar, and that's S-Y-N-E-R-E-O. And I encourage your listeners to check out Scenario.com. Um, they're, they're up to some really exciting things, so I just wanted to talk about that a little bit.
0: Cool. All right. Well, Daryl, again, thank you very much for your time and for all this information. Um, we are we here at the show are definitely going to be paying attention to the Polar, and uh, hopefully you get this thing off the ground, and hopefully it becomes the vision that you want it to be and that all the indie artists out there are listening and will have a, a place to basically say, all right, here's my music. I own it. I'm going to put it up where I want, and the proceeds are going to go to me and not to... The companies, not to anyone else, which heck, that that that's a great thing, and hopefully that's what the future holds.
2: I believe it will, and it might not be the polar; it might be somebody else. But I believe that decentralization will be the final solution for the music industry. Um, There's this guy named uh, uh, David Johnston from Austin, Texas, and he has this he has this uh, thing that he uh, humbly calls Johnston's Law. And uh, that is, anything that can be decentralized will be decentralized. And I don't know if I totally subscribe to that, but I do, be- I do believe in the sentiment, and I do think that that's what's going to happen to the music industry. It's inevitable.
0: Cool. Well, we hope it's Polar, because that means you're, you're a part of it, and you're a hell of a nice guy, and we loved having you on the show. And we uh, hope to have you back, and hopefully one day hear some good updates on everything.
2: Thanks a lot, David.
0: All right. Thank you, Daryl. Appreciate it. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan KAIR. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the program. Um, Thank you very much to Daryl Newdorf. Again, you can find uh, him him at darylnewdorf.com. That is D-A-R-R-Y-L-N-E-U-D-O-R-F.com. And also thepolar.org, T-H-E-P-O-L-R.org. And um, I think you should check out that website. It's pretty good. It really explains in depth what he's trying to do. What the architecture is gonna be and you know what what he's hoping to achieve. Um, also if you go to his actually personal website, you'll be able to see some cool stuff with you know things he's worked on over the years, his music, you know, his collaborations with Nico Case, Sarah McLaughlin, and everything, which is pretty cool. Although if you think about it, that means okay, he worked on Sarah McLaughlin's first album, right? So if we say that if if we say that Daryl Newdorf basically helped Sarah McLaughlin get into the mainstream. Does that mean we get to blame Daryl Newdorf for constantly having to change the channel when those ASPCA commercials come on with the abused dogs and animals where you're like, ah, uh, I can't take it. I can't watch this stuff with the with the, with the the Angels song and everything. It's like, oh, my God. It's so sad and upsetting and depressing. I, yeah, I should have taken him to task for that, probably, yeah. I mean, I think it's his fault. Uh, clearly, I think that's what we're saying. It's his fault, anyway. Great guy, great interview. That's absolutely amazing stuff over there. And um, th- thanks a lot, Daryl. Appreciate it. He also said, you know, he said, you know, I-, I really like him too because he said he listened to some episodes before coming on with us, and he really liked it. He laughed out loud a lot. Okay, so just just so you know, it, we're we're good. We got endorsements, all right. We got big time endorsements, all right. So now it's the D block. But which is funny considering this whole show has been me the whole block has been me um and uh it's like well again I'm, I'm talking to myself here man okay which is it's actually technically not really new to me because uh, folks that have the uh, an iPhone and I'm not sure if Samsung or the the droids have the same sort of thing too um you know I'm I am a big fan and proponent and user of the uh, the voice memo feature. Um, I really, really, uh, dig that stuff. And, um, I would always, I, I like sort of just, uh, basically making audio journal entries. I've been doing it now for like three years. Um, I, you know, I used it a lot when I was going through some pretty tough times. You know, I've, I've mentioned on the show before that I, you know, I'm, I'm divorced. And when I was going through that initially, I, man, oh man, I would use that phone and talk into it and talk to myself and, just get my feelings and my emotions out and just, you know, actually say words, say what I was feeling, but like say it out in the world, you know, and that in conjunction with like talking and therapy and everything is one of the reasons why, you know, I was able to heal and get through it and, and, you know, move on and, you know, heal in my life and actually get better. I'm a big proponent of it. So, you know, my phone, there's a whole bunch of stuff and and still to this day, and sometimes some of them are long. I'm not going to lie to you. I actually have like 50 minute (laughs) <laughs> entries on these things all right that's that's sometimes the level i'm dealing with here you know but also sometimes i do it on vacation as little nice little reminders of saying hey man look how far you've come look what you've done you know this is another little thing you've done another adventure that you've done on your own that you know hey man see you, you know anything's possible you can keep on going you folks remember about that too all right you know the tough times they they come man but you know you gotta just persevere and fight through it all right and you, you don't quit and never give up all right Please, please don't ever quit. I don't like quitters. I don't like quitters. I don't like liars, all right? You want to know why? They never quit lying, and they always lie about quitting. Just a little something to keep in mind, all right? Anyway, now that that little weird nugget is out of the way, um, so... On Tuesday, no, is it Monday? uh, I went to uh, the theaters, to AMC, for actually, I think it's the first time I've ever done one of those Fathom events. You know, sometimes you go to the theater and they have the special, like, oh, Fathom events, this special one night uh, thing showing this live opera, you know, streaming of the opera or, you know, a movie that came out 30 years ago or any classic movies or any sort of like a TCM sort of thing. Well, I did that for Batman the Killing joke. And um, if you listeners out there that don't know, and I'm assuming it's probably most because you know it's it's a little bit it's well known within certain comic circles, and obviously Batman circles, but maybe not to the mainstream. Batman the Killing Joke is a one-off uh graphic novel. Not very long, just a quick issue, um, that basically really turned the Batman universe on its head and was a um basically the definitive Joker story. It's the closest we get to an origin story. And it is absolutely beautiful and breathtaking. Um also horrifying. <laughs> it is not a story for children by any means. It's not a movie for children, actually. This movie is the first ever R-rated uh DC animated uh movie. So please don't let anything I say, you know, make you think that your ten year old uh should watch Batman the Killing Joke or even read it. It's it's it, there's there's intense stuff in there that's not 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 for children. Um themes of madness and everything. And the whole thesis of the uh of the book is one bad day is all it takes. That's 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 all it takes to reduce the sanest man alive to lunacy and change your life forever. And uh, this book, I think, when, when did it was? I think it came out in the late eighties, maybe like or early nineties by Alan Moore. And uh, it's, it's 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 so many people that read Batman love it. It's you know one of the definitive stories. It's it's my favorite. One of my favorite pieces of literature. Really, forget comics, just literature. It's that good. And this has been adapted into a movie with Kevin Conroy as Batman and Mark Hamill as the Joker. You know the team from Batman the animated series. That's that that's Batman and that's the Joker. My Batman is Kevin Conroy and the Joker is Mark Hamill. Love Heath Ledger, but when I hear the Joker in my head and I hear the laugh, it's Mark Hamill. And by the way, if I'm just letting, if, if you guys are just figuring that out, I'm I'm not joking. <laughs> Mark Hamill is the voice of the Jokers. So many people don't know that. Maybe you got some. I, we got young listeners here. Batman the animated series, which ran from like ninety two to ninety seven or something like that, with a little break in the middle. Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, was the Joker. I'm not again. I'm not joking. Look it up. It's amazing how he's able to do both those things, and he is an amazing. He is the Joker. Again, he is the Joker. I saw this movie. I loved it. A lot of people there's a disagreement on it because they had to add some stuff to make it meaty. To you know, take like a 40 page comic and you know turn it into you know a, f- a feature length, like over 60 minutes. Some people didn't like the way the storyline was and some of the stuff they added. Uh, we a friend of ours uh, <laughs> thinks it's hot garbage. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. We had a we had a very civil Twitter conversation about it. Um, but to me, I just I love it so much and it's just it's meant so much to me. Um, dealing with bad days and everything and you know having to <laughs> take care of your mind and everything um, it's a very relevant story to me and I absolutely loved it um, it's going to it's also going to be out on iTunes now with streaming and um, you think you can go to the DC shop and you know get it on DVD Blu-ray all that stuff I recommend it again if you are mature enough for it I think it's great I, it's the Batman story really um, and again if you love the Joker it, it, it's for you I, I, I love it all right Um, what else is going on? Oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. All right. I just happened to stumble upon this earlier in the week. I can't remember how now. Um, in August next month in select cities, Alamo draft house, the, uh, the movie chain that's a theater chain that's based in Texas. Not that many theaters really around the country, mostly Texas, California, some other states. They're showing the original star Wars trilogy in an evening. So the first, you know, the original trilogy, back to back to back. And there's, Miami as having one at a theater downtown and I'm going. I got that ticket. That's for damn sure. Last time I saw the, the them, uh, the originals on screen was the uh, the special edition release back in 1997 now, almost 20 years ago. Oh my God. And that was my first time ever seeing them on the big screen before that. It was always just, you know, on television. And that's how I, I fell in love with it as a kid on television. But like, I remember, seeing it I was maybe 11 or 12 years old you know on the big screen I was like wow this is amazing um so yeah I bought my ticket and I'm going to be uh, spending uh basically a good like seven hours or whatever it is eight hours you know with uh like-minded uh nerds and uh watching Star Wars on the big screen which is uh good stuff it is going to be the 1997 special editions um it's not the originals. Now, I hope it's just at least the 97 special editions, and it's not then what Lucas has gone back after subsequent release, after subsequent release, and the Blu-rays and adding things and changing things, like taking Sebastian Shaw out of the end of Return of the Jedi and putting Hayden Christensen as the Force Ghost. That's come on, dude. No, man. You don't put Hayden Christensen as the Force Ghost, at least Sebastian Shaw. Why are you going to go back to the young man as the force ghost? It's the old guy. It's it's Anakin. That's who he's the Force Ghost some people saying well but but why? but ah oh, but he'd go back to when he became Darth Vader, not as the old guy I no man no don't put don't put Hayden Christensen in there that uh, that's whatever actually, I haven't even seen the prequels in a very long time and probably some of you are saying, well, that's fine. why would you do that to yourself otherwise? but I almost feel like it should. I'm not even sure if I have Star Wars episode one the Phantom Menace on DVD. I may only have had a VHS of it, because I remember the thing came out in ninety nine, so like two thousand. Man. Oof. <laughs> Man, I'm dating myself. I'm old. All right. I'm gonna be thirty one in a few months. I, I, ju- I thought I I could have sworn I just had my thirtieth birthday not that long ago and went to Yosemite and did that stuff. I missed I missed an episode of this show doing that. And now like I'm I don't I'm doing the show now, but it's still coming up. I don't know. This is weird. Time's weird. All you all you all you younger ones out there, you know. Don't 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 uh don't be in a hurry to have time go forward, alright? Be perfectly happy in the present where you are. Time's gonna keep on moving no matter what. Don't be in a hurry to to move forward. It it, it sucks getting old. I'm still my back is still sore from last last week's episode is when I, I, I mentioned like, yeah, damn it, I'm old, my back hurts. It's now better. I'm still dealing with the remnants of it. Okay? It's not fun. It's not fun. No bueno. Next topic. Next month is Metallica. Yes, in Minneapolis with uh, Volbeat and Avenged Sevenfold opening up. Dude, I'm super excited. I got my ticket in the mail. I think like two weeks ago now, and this is this is gonna be my sixth time seeing them. And a lot of times, people ask me, Dave, wait, man, six times? Like what? Like why do you see them so much? Like what do you get? Right, once you've seen them, you see like once you've seen them once, that's it, right? Eh, wrong. No. 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 Metallica is life for me, all right? They are my favorite band. It it goes beyond just being a favorite band, all right? It's family. Those four guys, and also the guys that have come before, you know, James, Lars, Kirk, Rob, and then also then, you know, Jason, hell, you know, and my God, obviously Cliff, you know, Dave Mustaine, Ron McGovern, you know, that's all family, man. They've given me so much enjoyment over the years. Their music for 20 years has has given me so much, has helped me through so much, helped me through those bad times, man, helped me through depression, really, really did. And the first time I saw them on my own, that was my first trip ever uh, on my own. I went to Montreal in August of 2014, heavy Montreal. That's my first time I ever just went somewhere on my own, right? I'd, I'd never been to Montreal, didn't know anyone there, didn't. you know? I was trying to learn some French, but I decided, hey, man, I'm going to do this on my own and do this for me. And Metallica was the impetus. And you know, I ended up getting front at the barrier, man, front and center for Metallica. Now there was a lot of pain involved in getting to the front and center. If you go to shows, you know that the barrier up front is a painful place, and especially if you go to metal shows. You know, you know, be prepared to bleed. You may have to be prepared to make others bleed, but you gotta do what you gotta do up there, man. It's freaking killer be killed but your reward is like your heroes f- a few feet away from you man playing and just giving their energy and you give the you give your energy out to man and it's just this symbiotic relationship of artist and crowd just feeding off each other man and just get your emotions out right that's it's, it's the thing already I, I, can't, can't you just like tell man I'm, I'm I'm passionate about this band I'm passionate about metal music because it's everything right it gives you everything it lets you experience every single emotion good and bad which I think some people have an issue with you can't be afraid to feel that bad stuff right you know metal is you know sometimes it's a bad rap it's like oh but it's so sad and depressing and they talk about suicide and death and all this darkness yeah that exists in the world, man, and people feel it, and they shouldn't be ashamed of that, all right? And if you acknowledge it, that's how you actually move past it. That's how you move forward. That's how you move through it and become stronger and better for it. So that's what that's what metal does. It lets you feel all those things, but also in a healthy way. So you can feel the anger. You can feel the hatred. You can feel despair, despondency. And just, you know, some hopelessness too, man. But you know what? It also then transcends that and goes into joy. It goes into hope. It goes into life, man. It just into happiness. Because then also when you're at these shows, you, you see all these people around you. And you start talking and you share stories, man. You share stories about how many times you've seen them. About what the music has meant to you. About how the music has gotten you through the bad times. And you make lifelong friends. That's that's how I have now. I've got I've got friends that I made up in Quebec City, you know. Heck, I when I went to Montreal the Grand Prix, I, I ended up staying with a buddy that uh, I met up in Quebec City uh, beforehand, you know, that lives in uh, Montreal. So hell, free lodgings, Duh. That's that's right right there. Um, but it's just it's a family, man. It's just it's part of the Metallica family, and uh, that's coming up next month. I can't wait. It's like now twenty three days away. I am super psyched, and yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be my sixth time, so then when the new album comes out next this fall, God, I've been waiting forever for this album, and the, the next tour cycle comes, my goal is to get to 10 shows total um, on this next tour, so at least at least four times, get to the double digits, because I gotta, alright, I gotta, I'm going to keep on seeing this band as long as I can, alright. I think people should also try to get more live music. It seems like really, Me and Ryan are different. He really, you know, is not as into the live music scene I think as I am. Of course, he may be, he may be really like, "How dare you? How dare you?" That's what he likes to say. "How dare you?" Um, you know, like, of course I liked it, but you know, we're different, man. But you know, hey, we're we're, we're buds, we're friends, dude. We're we're friends, all right. Chill out, okay? Stop your di- hey, man, put that down, right? No, seriously, dude, put it down. Don't, I, okay, I'm not going to do I'm going to punch you. God, I got to punch this guy now. I can't believe it. he's making me punch him, folks. Not even here he's making me punch him. Anyway, I think I think do you think that's enough for today? I think so, probably. I mean, cuz God knows I can keep you here forever, but I don't want to do that. You don't want that. You want you're going to live your life right now. You got to keep folding that laundry, you got to mow that lawn, you got to get that report done, you got to get it to your boss, you're at work, you're in the car, you know, you're going to get to your destination, whatever it is, whatever it is. I appreciate you listening. I hope you've enjoyed this, okay? This has been my first time doing this on my own. I, I think it went okay. Well, <laughs> it remains to be seen, right? It's the audience that decides this thing, not me. Um, but hey, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, you can let me know if you didn't. That's fine. You can let us know if you did. All right? Anyway, uh, really thanks to Daryl Newdorf for joining the show. Um, Ryan, hope you're having a good vacation wherever you are, man. I don't know Well, I know exactly where he is, but I'm just, I'm not going to tell you folks in case you're going to hassle, hassle him. Um, but I'm glad he trusted me enough to let me do this on my own and make sure we have another show to give to you. fine people out there. You know, this is episode 47. We're approaching the one year mark next month. I think it's going to be one year. We're going to have like I think the 52nd episode is going to be right on time. It's amazing that we've been able to do this this long and it's because of you guys. So thank you very much. It has been a pleasure. And we'll see you next time on the Break the Business podcast. Have a good night, folks.